Hello, Dada listeners, and welcome back to third uh, episode of Dada podcast. Uh, today, we have a special guest, another faculty of Dada department, and she's Robin, Professor Robin. And welcome to here, Robin. Thanks for giving your time and coming here to talk with us. Thank you. So, uh, Robin, tell us about your background, you know, since the first day you felt that art and design and, or, you know, in general, fine art is the place uh, which you called home for yourself and you can continue to explore your uh, research, career and your future. Um, I was always doing uh, artistic things growing up. I used to color. My dad owned a business, and I used to be behind the counter coloring with some on butcher paper uh-huh. um, and just always loving art. Um, when it was time to go to school, college, I decided to um, – I didn't know what I wanted. I also I was thinking about going to psychology, and then I'm like – but then something in me was like, I got to try. I got to yeah. try art. <laughs> I can always switch. And then there was no looking back. So once I did, I went to the University of Connecticut uh-huh. in Stores, Connecticut for my undergrad. And um, I was actually started as a painting major. I used to also paint oh, that's um, nice. and do those little art fairs and stuff. Um, and But then I took my first photo class mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Frank Nolker, who coincidentally is a graduate of Webster in the uh-huh. late 70s, which <laughs> is like a weird connection. Yeah. Um, and he, just, I fell in love with photography right then um, and knew and just took all the photo classes. Mm-hmm. And I just loved capturing, being able to capture the details, uh, just tell kind of stories and just allow me to be more observant of the body mostly as what I'm uh-huh. interested in um, in a new way. And so I, I did that. Um, you know, and he, my professor, no, Frank, he um, believed in me. He took me to New York City to uh, rented me a, a, um, a dark room for a couple hours so I could print really big um, for nice. my BFA exhibition. And so just like that belief in me uh-huh. um, just kind of gave me that confidence. That's good. Um, and then right after school, um, I didn't know what I was going to do after mm-hmm. I graduated. Um, and then actually Frank got an email saying that, uh, Ohio State University, they were still accepting applications for graduates that they hadn't found everyone they were looking for. So I sent my slides, because they were slides yeah, at that I time, yeah. uh, into uh, into Ohio State. They called me that Friday and offered me uh, a, a, a graduate associate assistant professorship. So oh, cool. I started teaching right away. I didn't have to pay for anything. Uh-huh. All my debts from undergrad. Yeah. And so I got my MFA from uh, the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. Perfect. So you're in, in at the, photo. Oh, in photo. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask that. So the concentration was photography. Yes. Yes. Perfect. So. What connection? You said you were first uh, know, interested in psychology and then painting. What, you know, what connection is between painting, photography, and uh, psychology? I think, um, I never thought of that before, but um, this is a good question. But I think that 
painting and then photography allowed me to get out what was on the inside, That's which right. I didn't have the words for. Uh-huh. Um, I like learning about the science of psychology mm-hmm. and why we think the way we think or do some of the actions we do. Um, but art allowed me to kind of interpret them visually. Right. Um, and so it... And that appealed to me more than kind of writing articles or papers or something mm-hmm. like that. So, um, yeah, I think, and I used the photographic medium as a way to express myself, like right. like painting or sculpture or um, drawing or something. I don't use it as like a um, as a photojournalist might mm-hmm. or a commercial photographer might. Oh, perfect. So one question, you know, even for myself, I always was in my head, maybe in students uh, as well. Do we really need to own a camera to become a photographer or it's just about the sense in our you know, nature? That's a good question. Uh, and everyone thinks they're a photographer. And, right. <laughs> you know, photography is one of those medium everyone knows how to do. At yeah. least they think they do with their f- camera phone, uh-huh. where I'm sure there's only a handful of people or, you know, a smaller subset of people that know how to, you know, make a bronze s- s- statue yeah, or exactly. oil paint or something like that. And so right. um, I think it's important. And that, that's why in my first level, my fine art photo class, I break it down uh-huh. and we build a pinhole camera. So all you need to make a photo is a box, like a Pringles container, mm-hmm. some kind of box with a hole in it and something light sensitive. All right. And so we go and then you can, you'll make an image with it. And that's, you don't need anything fancy or expensive. Right. Um, and I think that once students see that, then it's a whole other um, ball game. You're right. Yeah. Um, I think that... You don't need a camera because uh-huh. you can use other things to take photographs, to make photographs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing image transfers right now. You could uh, use like cyanotypes, mm-hmm. uh, which is an alternative method that you put objects on mm-hmm. and you let the sun expose it. Right. Um, so there's other ways of doing that. Um, you could use a scanner, like a flatbed scanner as a camera um, or put yourself on a scanner and scan your body. So you don't need a camera per se, but you need some kind of way to make an image, I guess, permanent. Right. Um, and whatever that permanence means, it doesn't have to live forever, but it just, just so someone else can see it. Okay. Um, but it doesn't have to be a tra- what we think of as a traditional camera. Camera, yeah. Right. You know, and I think... You know, I think I think digital photography has made us lazy, exactly. Uh, because yeah. you know we could take a, you know a thousand pictures just to get that one. Where when you had film, you, could, you had a roll of thirty six. Yes, you could buy more film, yeah. but you were you it slowed you down more. And it makes you know to be careful about what you take. And uh, you no, know, I think the frames and the shots in the like manual photography, not the digital one, actually the classic one, is more uh, mindful and mm-hmm. thoughtful about what you are taking, and I agree with that. Yes, and, and I don't think, uh, and I think digital photography can be that way as well. I think when we take snapshots with our phone, right. and I do all the time with my kids, uh-huh. I'm not thinking about composition. Yeah. Maybe, a li- you know, but <laughs> just because it's in me. But I'm, I want to capture my, you know, my girls looking happy or doing yeah. something exciting. But when I'm making art, it's a different mindset. And I That's think true. you can always tell photographs when the intention of the artist, mm-hmm. the person behind the camera, 
um, is paying attention and is actually wanting to um, wanting to um, you know get an idea across or tell us something right. uh, new versus a snapshot of what someone might look like at that moment right. or uh, you know capture an experience or something. Yeah, you brought up something interesting actually when you said the digital and the classic one actually. You know, um, when you look at, uh, as a professor, as an artist, uh, what, uh, in, you know, when you look at different, I mean, a couple of uh, images and photographs, uh, how you judge them and what is a good you know, photo for you? For me? Yeah. Uh, I mean, because, you know, in painting, we can, for example, say that, okay, the material, the, you know, painter used, the, I don't know, the style and those things. But in digital photography, we don't have those things, you know. We have different tools. Yeah. The paper it's printed on, uh -huh. and I think a photo looks different on so glossy. technically and also aesthetically both. Sure, yeah. yes. Versus, like, I like a photo rag, which uh -huh. almost was like a print, like from a printmaking standpoint, because it's a right. thick paper. Right. Um, but I think composition, mm -hmm. paying attention to the framing is, is helpful, um, and content, okay. the concept. I want a photograph to ask me questions more than just provide me answers. That's so when I look at something, and it's, it's, maybe it's a photograph of a baseball game, I'm like, uh -huh. okay, that's a baseball game. It doesn't ask me anything, but I want a photograph um, to be uh, be able to ask me what it feels like to be a pitcher in a oh, game okay. or something. Right. And so make me question. Uh -huh. I never thought about that. The pitcher has to go through these exercises or whatever it may be for uh -huh. that example. Yeah. But right. so I... I think a successful or a good image is when I'm left asking questions back. Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, it's making me ponder something that I might not have thought of in that way before. That was a good answer, yeah. Yeah, actually, I, I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. And it comes up even in design works as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can tell when someone's like, oh, I'm just going to put a few things here. I know, you know... Um, you know, Photoshop, I'm just put some yeah. type here and, you know, versus someone that really understands type and typography and the power of it and everything. I mean, yeah. you, you have the eye that you exactly. can guess. Yep. And I think the same thing, uh, um, I feel like I can uh, tell the difference yeah. there. And there's a time and place when quick images are important. Like if you wanted to document yourself every day for the year, yeah. I could see why a selfie or uh, you know using an iPhone might be complete. That that medium suits your content. That's correct. Yeah. And then go for it. You know. So that's why I think I think they all have to link. It's not like oh the only camera I have on me is this. Mm -hmm. I'm making a conscious effort, a conscious decision to say hey, this needs to be a quick thing that I do on my phone every right. day or whatever. So any software or program you use, you know, I mean, your base software? For when I do digital work, yeah. I use Adobe Bridge okay. to uh, organize all my photographs. I take a Perfect. lot when I take them and yeah. I, I edit them um, and then I... Uh, Put them in a folder marked delete, but I never actually delete the bad ones because <laughs> you never know, you know, you might delete the photo that you never knew you always wanted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, but I save, you know, and I have hard drives and stuff. So I use that as an editing uh -huh. 
uh, as a sorting tool, mm-hmm. and then I use Camera Raw and Photoshop. Oh, perfect. Um, I don't use a lot of tweaking on mm-hmm. that, you know, or just a little tweaking. I don't do a lot of Photoshop yeah. work, at least in the current work I'm doing. Um, I did a couple years ago work with I kind of broke Photoshop. Yeah. I found a glitch in it by doing a certain thing and yeah. I created these like almost I called them monoprints. Okay. Um and they were color and some image and uh, but I could only use it with this one Photoshop with this one um version version of yeah. Photoshop. <laughs> That's um, good. And um and if I did a certain sequence with something in layers, I don't remember right now, yeah. I would get the, and I just took screenshots. And I love them because they're very design, actually design-oriented. Right. But bright color, and it, I felt like I could really combine my painting eye and stuff in design yeah. work into those. And Perfect. so, um, I, you know, I used, did that method to get that, that body of work. So, yeah, just speaking to uh, your projects, talk. Tell us about your project, you know, the past projects you have done and the current one which you are working for your exhibition or something. Yes. Um, for the most part, I've always been um, um, always been intrigued with the body okay. and photographing the body. Um, you're just starting with my own, um, my own kind of issues or thoughts about my own body. Mm-hmm. And so in graduate school, I um, started actually photographing people covered in food. And then they were they were actually all done on film and in the color dark room, large images that had body and mm-hmm. food from guacamole to strawberry sauce to <laughs> barbecue sauce, marshmallow fluff. I mean, right. I, I did the whole gamut, and they were bright and beautiful colors, um, very kind of close up. Um, and it just was talk, you know, talking more about like how I mean the wasteful America is with mm-hmm. food, how there's a taboo, like you might, you know, take you know, whipped cream or something, you know, that might be a more sensual or right. you, uh, food, but you, would you ever, you know, bring hummus into the <laughs> into the bedroom or yeah. something, you know what I mean, like that. Yeah. Um, and so I like that, like, some food had connotations behind mm-hmm. it. Um, but then I just, I started working with, um, so I was photographing other people, and I would never do, I, one of my own goals is um, I would never ask someone to do something that I wouldn't do. Right. And so um, that was always kind of in my head. That's ethical. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. And um, so and I, so I did a few bodies of work um, using myself. Kind of I did some black and white photos mm-hmm. where I was moving in different environments. Um, I did a series of those. But most recently, I did. I am also I'm working on photographs of myself again, mm-hmm. um, taking images from th- started during the pandemic. You know, I had a newborn and a toddler and get just being exhausted right. at the end of the day um, just photographing myself full head to toe nude and then um, it took me a while to figure out how I wanted to express these uh-huh. but I've been doing a technique where I print them on um on tr- transparencies, and then I'm using hand sanitizer to transfer it onto paper. That's so they're crazy. very painterly because then you have to use a brayer or a bone folder to to, to get the um, image to stick to the paper. Um, yes. And then sometimes they put multiple layers, and it's distorting the body. So there's like, because I'm using pieces, it kind of uh-huh. bifurcates the body. So it's not, you know, and... Uh, so it's not like a complete, like a, like the actual photograph. It's right. different pieces, enlarging, shrinking, some other pieces to it. Um, I really fell in love with doing this. I started during my sabbatical last spring, uh-huh. and I felt a real groove. I mean, some of them kind of reference art history. Mm-hmm. 
they're larger than life size, most of them. Oh, that's or life crazy. size. That's good. Um, so then there's pieces of print paper that um, stuck uh, is kind of hanging together, and I actually have them hung mm-hmm. instead of framed. Um, and I really, really love them. Um, I'm excited to for them. I had a solo show with them in October in um, at the Manifest Gallery oh, yeah. in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah. And so that was really nice to have a little solo show with just some of this new work. Perfect. Um, Any upcoming show you might have? Yeah, um, I was asked to be part of a group show, a traveling show called Self Adjacent. Uh-huh. And it's going to start in um, the Visual Arts Center in Richmond, Virginia. And then it's going to New York, to a gallery, and then to Ohio. So it's going to go to three places Perfect. with other uh, artists kind of dealing with self yeah. and, uh, and images like that. That's great. That's great. I, that, I think that starts at the end of 2023. Oh, the 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 first uh, stop of the exhibition. Okay, perfect. Congrats. Thank <laughs> you. I'm happy for that. <laughs> so, um, you said that some of your works was based on art history. Uh, well, what artists or what move, what movements, what styles you are, you know, influenced by, and you always get inspired. I I love art history. Um, I love learning about artists, and mm-hmm. I show them right along with uh, when I show my when I teach my classes. Um, but a few of the artists that have influenced me was Robert Maplethorpe, mm-hmm. who uh, you know did a lot of uh, photographing black and white of um, different kind of controversial issues. Andre Serrano. Um, is also a big one, um, Sandy Skoglin. Uh-huh. Um, Francesca Woodman, she was probably one of my first kind of loves of photography, with the first kind of art book that I hunted around to right. find a used copy for. Um, I have a lot of different kind of favorites, but those would be the top ones. Perfect. But recently I've been looking at a lot of women artists that have done self-portraits mm-hmm. um, and get kind of getting inspiration from that, like Joan Samuel and, um, oh, um, uh, Jenny Saville, or Sa- Saville. Okay. Um, she's one of my favorites. Beautiful uh, paintings and stuff. So I get inspired um, by lots of different things. Perfect. And you know, Louise Bourgeois was probably one of my all-time favorite yeah. artists. Her and Toulouse Lautrec, <laughs> French painter. Perfect. So that was good for just an intro of you know works and personal. Life. Just return back to Webster and teaching life, you know, to see how you make balance between your personal and artistic life and also your academic life. So tell us about when did you join Webster and how far, you know, till now, since now, how did you find Webster? So, uh, well, I'm originally from Massachusetts. Right. So that's where the accent is. <laughs> but I, um, and then I was in... Um, Ohio before here, Columbus, but I came to Webster 2003, so oh. 20 years ago yeah. <laughs> in September or August, um, so I didn't expect to be here that mm-hmm. long, but I really fell in love with Webster. I fell in love with our department. Yeah. I mean, it was different at the time. There were more of us, but the family camaraderie was always important, the encouragement of doing um being able to 
teach whatever I wanted or to try a new thing. Yeah. You know, I always felt that kind of um, encouragement from everybody in the department. Um, and then just kind of meeting people outside of the department. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to be, I uh, was the director of the first year seminars for five years, oh. um, part of different committees like the faculty senate and CRF. And I just got, I got to meet a lot of faculty outside the department. And just, I loved that. I loved you know, we would have faculty institutes where we come together and, you know, yes, we were, you know, having fun, but we were also making connections that later right. on I could call them if I needed something or if a student needed something, I knew who to direct them to. That's great. Um, That's helpful. Yeah. So I just, I really kind of found my, my niche here. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I haven't, I haven't left. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you yes. have you wherever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, Tell us one uh, memory, which is the sweetest memory, you know, from being in Webster for you, and one bad memory. A sweet memory. Let's make it challenging. <laughs> uh, well, I guess uh, current, uh, there's lo there have been lots of sweet memories. Right. <laughs> like the faculty dinners, every they used to do di the large dinners before we started the school uh -huh, right. year and stuff like that. But recently, I um, Webster just built uh, a new dark room uh -huh, for yeah. us, and so that's really sweet. That's um, great. Very, it's nice to know that Webster still is committed to mm -hmm. uh, analog photography, um, and so it's been really great to have this space. Yeah. Uh, to the dark room, it's it's a lot bigger than our old one, and. So that's been really great. Yeah. Uh, the negative yeah. review, oh, the negative part of Webster. Um, that's hard. I mean, it goes. I guess it goes back to um, there was this. There was a study, probably 10, 12 years ago now, right. called the Mercer Study, where they did everybody's salary and change, adjusted it to market prices. Uh -huh. um, and the artists, we got kind of screwed on it because, you know, there really isn't a market, an artist right, market kind exactly. of thing. And so I always, that really left a bad taste in my mouth mm -hmm. that even though someone in maybe business or somewhere is doing the same thing I am, they're teaching the three classes, exactly. they're doing all the stuff, advising this, which I'm doing, that they get paid more than me because they're in business and I'm in art. And that's, so that's, course, that, yeah. um, I think... That left a bad taste in my mouth, and okay. nothing's yeah. been done <laughs> about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm very thankful for my job. I and, know, you know, to be here what we get to do. But that's good. Yeah, that's perfect. So, uh, what courses you will teach next spring? I mean, next fall. Sorry. In the fall, I am teaching uh, fine art photography, which is okay. the first level photography, where we build a pinhole camera and we learn how to use a 35 millimeter. Uh, film camera and learn how to make prints and develop film. Mm -hmm. And then my second class is a topics, an art class called Drawing with Light. So more kind of experimentation that's in cool. the dark room. Because yeah. um, that's essentially, you know, when you make a print, it's light being exposed on mm -hmm. paper. Um, so I think those are the only two next semester. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, is the... Registration is open for the fall? Yeah. Yet? Yes. Perfect. So, yeah, students can register for this perfect course. Yes. <laughs>
would be great. That's nice. Yeah. So any advice for students about, you know, who they want to follow your path in terms of career as an artist in photography? So what advice uh, you have for them, you know, any negative or positive features about this career, you know, any advice? I think, well, I think it's a great career uh, because you get to be around artists all the time and right. teaching what you love and you get a lot of time off, <laughs> um, you know, holiday, you know, uh, breaks and summers and uh -huh. stuff. So to me, it's kind of ideal. And I mm -hmm. like that it changes every semester. So it's not a nine to five job. Yeah. So I think that's really great. If you want to be able to teach at a college or university, you have to go to get a, uh, after uh, your undergrad, you go mm -hmm. get an, a master of fine arts. Right. Um, and in art, it's a terminal degree. So there's right now, there's not really That's a doctorate. Um, yeah. Except, um, so, um, and that will allow you to be able to teach at colleges and universities. And what about photography? Same thing with, with photography? Yeah, I mean, as an artist for the, fu for the future, what do you advise? Uh, to stretch the medium of photography, yeah. <laughs> see how far you can kind of push, push it, yeah. photography, um, to be open to trying new things or trying old things that mm -hmm. you might not have tried. Um, just be, will, I think, open and willingness to uh, to make mistakes, right. to um, try something new, that which might be hard, but will kind of eventually... Um, uh, have great rewards and I know yeah. it's hard sometimes to do that um, but you know like I tell my students I don't know everything about photography you know uh, and so I'm always learning in the dark room or things are going wrong and we have to f pivot and fix something yeah. and it, to me it's like just being a lifelong learner that, well, that excited. comes from your humbleness yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are a great artist and uh, teacher and professor and I think one thing that when I came to and joined the Webster and I saw that what you teach and your courses, I I really you know uh, enjoyed that and I wish that I was student and I could take your classes <laughs> because uh, your angle and your view toward you know photography and as you said psychology and expressive art and all those things into one medium as photography is perfect you know because I had many. Uh, photography courses even not in US you know in Iran as well many of them they were just technical you know yeah. teaching how a camera works just a little composition and those things but I think what you teach in terms of fine art is really valuable and perfect and I think students they really enjoy your courses Thank you. Yeah, I think it's important. I try to teach the technical and the conceptual side by side. Right. Because you, you, if you have the best idea ever, but you can't make a good exposure, exactly. there's no way to understand it. But if you have, you know, a wonderful exposure, and it's only so long you can look at a print right. and marvel at its tonal range, you know, if there's no concept behind it. So they definitely go hand in hand. And it's important. And, and photography, I kind of like, you know, like design as yeah. well is that it's a skill so you could you could get job where you're doing it exactly. but you could also use it to express yourself 
exactly. in various ways. And so it's nice to have kind of both of those. But I'd like to really keep them together mm-hmm. because you could learn if you all you wanted to know was how to use a camera, you know, YouTube, right? Right. Nowadays exactly. um, or a book. Uh, and so I'm trying to teach more than that you would learn than just watching Exactly. Those. And the context yeah. is always important. Yeah. yeah. Right. About the job opportunities, a uh, photographer in your area, I mean, mainly leaning toward fine art, not just technical. What job opportunities they have? I'm not talking about the academia in industry. In industry. Um, I think this is true for all BFA students, uh-huh. is that they might not be, I mean, you could work as a commercial photographer. Right or assistant first to a, a commercial photographer because mm-hmm. you have those skills. Right. But you also, as a BFA student, you gain all these other skills mm-hmm. like creative thinking and problem solving and being able to speak orally and write and all these other skills, mm-hmm. take criticism and give criticism right. that you could do almost anything you want. You could work in an art setting, a gallery, museum setting. Mm-hmm. You could work in a school or doing like an after school program or something with younger kids. You could work at a design. I mean, you could work at many different things. So there isn't a a straight trajectory Uh as it is if maybe you went to school as an accountant and you get out and you're an accountant, you know. Um, But but I think you learn the skills, I think, in photography, but I think in all of our, our program, the BFA program, to get a job in various different, sectors. Di- different positions, right? Right. And I think in f- you are like the photographers, they can work in movie and film industry as well, yeah? Absolutely, Perfect. yes. Yeah. And, you know, um, yeah, absolutely. That's good. I think that's great uh, job opportunities out there for them. Yeah. Perfect. So any last advice or any last things you want to tell mm. the listeners? I just think... Um, the hardest thing to do is to um, okay. Let me stop. Uh, I think it's important for you to keep an art practice, students, right. and I think students graduating might. It's hard when you're done and there's no deadlines, but I think that the art muscle is like any other muscle, right. and if you don't practice it, like if you don't go running for a week, you feel it the next time you go running, and so. Even if it's just a sketchbook practice that you set a timer for 20 minutes a day, take, a, take five fit photos a day, whatever it is, keep that muscle going and make it part of your life. That's a good think Because I think the hardest parts, at least for me over the years, if there were any kind of times where I didn't make work, yeah. it was hard to get back to it. But even just these small things, and with life coming, you know, especially during the school year, I don't have as much time, but I'm still doing a little bit at a time. Right. And it, it, it's enough to make me happy, but it's, it keeps that muscle um, that's working, muscle going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Impor- and I think that's that, really that, important. That was a beautiful metaphor I think you used. Yeah, I think uh, constant practice is always necessary because yeah. I've seen that students, when it comes to summer or, you know, Christmas break, they just... Completely. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. And they just don't. Um, yeah, it's hard coming back in the fall. Right. Like, you want me to do what? Yeah. But if you sustain it, if you keep doing, even if it's, you know, again, you think it's the most minute thing. You just right. sketch what you eat every day or whatever. It will help getting back into it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm a big I don't a big sketchbook fan. I love Perfect. I always keep one. Yeah. Um and it's nice. It's like my safe space. Like I very rarely if ever show them to people. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I can be completely honest and open and it just it's really it's nice. It's like my mind on paper. Right. I like going through old ones and um just ideas and stuff like that. So Perfect. I think it's yeah. Yeah, I think having a sketchbook for everyone is really necessary in art and design. Exactly, and it doesn't have to be physical. If you want to yeah. work, you know, I, on a tablet, Tablets, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I like the physicality, but yeah. I think just any kind of um, any kind of sketchbook esque system is important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ravin, for coming over and give your time to us talk about your experience and your life and your career we really appreciate that thank you so much for asking sure uh so we are at end of this episode as well and i hope you enjoyed uh this episode will be out i think in a couple of days and everyone can listen to it thank you so much (laughs) 